I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. As we continue our chronological trip through the Gospels, today we'll be looking at passages in Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. In these passages, we're going to see the following events in Jesus' ministry. He's still traveling and ministering in Galilee. And these parables, by the way, are given on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, the ones that we're going to see in today's passage. And this teaching event takes place between the second and third Passover feast of Jesus' ministry. First, let's look at the people traveling with Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now for Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. Now Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. And when much people were gathered together, and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. It's more than just his twelve that followed Jesus. Luke actually records the names of some women who were following at this point in time as well. And then add to that the great multitude. Notice the wording of Luke chapter 8 verse 2 here. It says, And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. One of these women is Mary Magdalene. Now it's commonly conjectured that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She was not a prostitute. That misguided deduction is based upon the fact that she's mentioned here, and it says, out of whom went seven devils. And again in Mark chapter 16 verse 9 it says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Being possessed with devils cannot, I mean cannot, be linked to prostitution in that verse. Although we're not told the symptoms of her demon possession, in all likelihood it was manifested with some sort of severe physical ailment, and not a depraved lifestyle. Actually, this reputation-marring accusation came first from Roman Catholic Pope Gregory I, who improperly identified the sinner woman of Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, as Mary Magdalene in a sermon back in 591 A.D. Incidentally, 
there's no mention whatsoever of that woman in Luke 7 being Mary Magdalene, nor is there any reason to conjecture that it was. In chapter 13 of Matthew, verses 3 through 9, Mark 4, 3 through 9, and Luke 8, 5 through 8, we find the parable that Jesus gives on this occasion, the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now the same parable, but from Mark's perspective, in Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now from Luke's perspective, in Luke chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus gives the parables here, but the interpretation of these parables begins down in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, Mark chapter 4, verse 14, and Luke chapter 8, verse 11. So we're going to delay our explanation of this parable until we get to the explanation in the verses below. Then we have the question, why speak in parables? We see this dealt with in all three of the gospel accounts. First, let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 down through verse 17. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, 
and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Now the same question and the same answer in Mark chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. Now Luke chapter 8 Verses 9 and 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now here's an important truth about Jesus' ministry. Why did he speak to those people in parables? Some have suggested that Jesus' parables were given as crystal clear illustrations to make a point. Well, not really. There's a concept here that needs to be understood first of all. Now, I explained this concept in the introduction of Matthew chapter 5 regarding the kingdom message that Jesus was preaching during his entire ministry. Jesus is once again presenting the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, to the Jews. It's the same thing. Sometimes you'll see it referred to as the kingdom of God, and sometimes as the kingdom of heaven. This message here, as its central theme, has Jesus as Messiah over an earthly kingdom. That's what kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God is all about. Since the Jews rejected that at his first coming, we understand that this kingdom will not really materialize on earth until the second coming of Jesus. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be rejected that he would suffer and be crucified. So here Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, which says, And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Isaiah prophesied the rejection of the Messiah's message that would take place later on. Roll the clock forward 700 years or so from Isaiah, and here we are. It's just as Isaiah had prophesied. Jesus is presenting the kingdom message for them to receive, but those jealous Jewish leaders reject it, just like the Jewish leaders to whom Isaiah had prophesied back in his day 700 years before. It was prophesied that they would do so, that they would reject. However, those people with receptive hearts do understand the meaning of the parables. The Jewish leaders are not blessed by the words of Jesus here. Furthermore, when Jesus spoke in parables, these Jewish leaders were not able to gather clear statements that would meet their legal standard for blasphemy. Parables were very frustrating to these officials and these professional religionists. To state it clearly, 
parables were designed to keep the hypocritical Jewish leaders frustrated while spiritually feeding those who had receptive hearts. Now it's time for Jesus to explain the parable of the sower. We see in Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 to 23, Mark 14, verses 14 to 20, and Luke 8, verses 11 through 15, that explanation. First, Matthew 13, beginning with verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also received seed among the thorns, as he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received the seed into good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now from Mark's perspective, Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Now from Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares, and riches, and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. So here's the meaning of that first parable. Let's not make a common mistake here that many people make when reading this passage. Jesus is presenting the kingdom message. Don't go any further without understanding this distinction. And this is explained in the introduction of Matthew chapter 5. I'd encourage you to go read that on BibleTrack.org. It is crucial to understand that distinction. Secondly, let me say, 
very close attention to the wording of Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. It says, when one heareth the word of the kingdom, you misrepresent the entire understanding of this passage when you make the seed sown equivalent to a salvation experience. It is not equivalent to a salvation experience. It literally speaks of those who were exposed to Jesus' teaching on the coming kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, message, that kingdom on earth which had been prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. That understanding should make the rest of the parable fall right into place. Only the last category of people, the ones in Matthew 13:23, Mark 4:20 and Luke 8:15, only those people actually receive this word of the kingdom and respond to it by faith. Remember, it's a kingdom message to the Jews. Again, let me say this parable has no direct relevance to the salvation experience of today. While parallels certainly do exist, keep in mind the strict application of this passage to the reception or not of the kingdom message is what is in direct view in this passage. Now let's take a look at the implications regarding the four kinds of ground upon which the seeds fell. First of all, some fell by the wayside and were immediately eaten by the birds. In other words, they heard the message, perhaps found it interesting, but only had a passing interest and took no action by actually personalizing the message of the kingdom. Now let's look at the second category. Some fell on stony places and could not take root. Now these people are those that heard the message and were interested but they did not pursue the kingdom message. The third category. Some fell among thorns and was choked out. These people, they heard the message, were interested and began to pursue the kingdom message. However, they allowed themselves to be influenced by those pesky Jewish leaders who rejected the messianic ministry of Jesus. And this ultimately led to their rejection of the message as well. And finally, the last category, the rest fell on good ground, grew, and multiplied. These people heard, pursued, received, and finally multiplied. These are the only ones of the four groups who followed through with discipleship after hearing the Messianic message, the message of the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Now, here's the big problem with equating this parable to salvation by grace as many understudied people have done. They often jump to the false conclusion that the sowing of this seed is the same as receiving Christ as Savior. After they make that interpretive error, they then assume that the first three scenarios represent a loss of salvation. Now, understand this. This parable has nothing to do with a believer's salvation by grace. It has everything to do with the kingdom message, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus inviting the people to partake of that kingdom. Next we have the parable of the revealed light. Only two of the gospel writers deal with this one. Mark chapter 4 verses 21 to 25 and Luke chapter 8 verses 16 through 18. Mark chapter 4 verse 21. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? 
For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, and what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given, and he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Now, as I mentioned, only Mark and Luke give us this parable. The message is simple here. If the crowds don't obey what they have received, they'll never receive any more. These verses follow nicely behind the parable of the sower. In other words, this is a polite warning from Jesus to the multitudes to beware of dismissing this teaching without accepting the truth of the kingdom message that's contained therein. They must take the light of the kingdom message and pursue it as did those in the fourth group in the parable of the sower. The next parable, the parable of the fruitful earth, is only recounted by Mark in Mark chapter 4 verses 26 to 29. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. As I said, only Mark gives us this parable. The seed, which is the kingdom message, has been cast by Jesus. The analogy here is as follows. Just as seed is cast onto the ground and the earth uses it to bear fruit for the harvest, so has Jesus cast the seed of the kingdom message. The good ground, being the receptive heart, bears fruit worthy of harvest, which means entry into the kingdom. This speaks of the messianic kingdom of Jesus on earth and not up in heaven. Again, let me encourage you, if you don't understand that concept, to look at the introduction on the Matthew chapter 5 passage, the Sermon on the Mount, to get a very clear view of exactly what the kingdom of heaven slash kingdom of God is all about. Next we have the parable of the wheat and tares, and it's only Matthew, in Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 30, who deals with this parable. Verse 24, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came, and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, 
lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. In this passage, Jesus is still illustrating his kingdom message, and he does it with another parable. Here, wheat is good, and tares are bad. Let's say the explanation for the section below, the next section we're going to be reading here, when we get down to verse 36, where Jesus himself gives the disciples the explanation. The parable of the mustard seed is next in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32, and Mark chapter 4, verses 30 to 34. Luke doesn't deal with this one. Matthew 13, 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took, and soweth in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now Mark, chapter 4, verses 30 to 34. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is grown, it groweth up, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Now this mustard plant is only about four feet tall in the early spring when the birds are nesting. Later on in the summer, this plant, actually a bush, may reach as high as 15 feet or so, we're told. Plenty large for the nesting of birds. Likewise, the kingdom message will be preached in relative obscurity in the beginning, like a small, very small mustard seed, but will ultimately result in the worldwide ushering in of the messianic kingdom of God, that kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven on earth. I think this is perhaps strictly a growth analogy, from relative obscurity to a global kingdom. And that again, let me say, is the messianic kingdom that we know as the millennium. Now some Bible teachers have read more into this parable than I feel comfortable doing with any certainty. They've suggested evil on the part of the birds that lodge in the mustard tree. Although Jesus uses this metaphor again in Luke chapter 13, verse 19, on that occasion, Jesus had been addressing the insincerity and hypocrisy of the Jewish leadership. I can see how that one might understand the birds in the tree to be these hypocritical Jewish leaders inasmuch as they're integrated into the growth environment, but actually not part of the growth. In other words, they are seen by some as the problem and, of course, not the solution. That brings us to the parable of the wheat and tares explained. Remember, we saw it above. We didn't explain it at the time, but now we will, as Jesus explains it himself. It's only found in Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. 
The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I know I'm wearing this out, but let me just say, uh, one more time, at least one more time, understanding the kingdom aspect of these parables is crucial, and especially on this one. Here's the explanation by Jesus to his disciples of the parable that he spoke in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. We read that earlier. Now we get the explanation. As we said, wheat is good and tares are bad. So how do we go ahead and hack out the tares that be the wicked people? Well, answer, we don't. We let both grow together until it's harvest time. Now here's the part we need to look at very closely, the harvest. Take a look at the players here in Matthew chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. It says, The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Notice that the harvest is at the end of the world, and that the tares are the ones taken away and burned. This is not the rapture. When the rapture takes place, the opposite will be realized. Righteous people will be taken out at the rapture, and the wicked people will be left to endure the tribulation. Now, the Greek word for world there is actually ionos, which is to be understood as age. This wheat tares parable is fulfilled at the end of the tribulation, immediately preceding the messianic age which we know to be the millennium. That's when the righteous people continue on earth to populate the kingdom, the millennium, while the wicked people are burned up, as we see in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21, the occasion that many refer to as the Battle of Armageddon. That's the return of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. If you'd like to have a clearer understanding of the difference between the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture for believers, then take a look at my notes on BibleTrack.org for Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 51. And then we have next a parable only in Matthew's gospel, the parable of the hidden treasure in Matthew 13:44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field the which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. I personally think that many Bible teachers read way too much into this one as well. Remember now, we're talking about the earthly kingdom message. That's the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God on earth. Now, I'm convinced that that's the treasure. Those who receive this message sacrifice everything. In other words, they become disciples. They sacrifice everything for the kingdom message. It's important to understand now the difference between salvation and discipleship in this context. If 
he thought perhaps there was no difference between discipleship and salvation, then I'd like to encourage you to look at my notes on this very issue that you'll find on the commentary on Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. It talks about the conditions of discipleship. Next, we have the parable of the pearl of great price in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the pearl here is the kingdom message. How valuable is it? Well, it was so valuable that he who receives the message sacrifices everything. That's the definition of discipleship. He sacrifices everything in pursuit of the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Now, some Bible teachers equate the pearl with the church, and the one who sells everything he has to buy that pearl is Jesus. Now, I will admit, while that preaches and makes a very stirring sermon, I'm just not sure that it's that complicated. Nor do I think Jesus wandered out of his kingdom context in these parables and went to a message of the church itself. I think it's all kingdom in these parables. Then we have in Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 53, the parable of the dragnet. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. This parable seems similar to the parable of the wheat and tares. The net gathers all kinds of sea creatures, clean and unclean. They're separated out at the end. The good remain while the bad are cast away. The last three verses seem to contain the same immediate judgment scenario as the tares executed by the angels. This can only be the judgment that follows the tribulation, just as with the tares. Based upon that scenario, this cannot be the rapture. Now, for a clearer understanding of the difference between the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture for believers, which are two different events, then look at my notes on Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 51. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.